0: I think the film is even more timely now than it was a couple of years ago. I think it was timely a couple of years ago. I think it's even more timely now.
1: How so? I mean, obviously, Bannon has been away from the administration specifically for a number of years now. Because
0: it's not just simply about Steve Bannon. Yes, it is about Steve Bannon, but it's about something more than Steve Bannon. It's in part about a nightmare that this country has been plunged into by many of these ideas. And these ideas still are out there. They still hold sway among millions and millions and millions of people. And the question is, how did this happen? What does it mean? Why? I would have liked this movie to be widely seen two years ago. And the reasons it wasn't, it's uh, one of the more bizarre stories in my career as a filmmaker. At least some people became frightened by the very idea of showing such a movie. There was an idea that took hold of the only way to deal with Trump. The only way to deal with these ideologies was to try to ignore them. But clearly that is not a very good strategy. If you like, it's the ostrich mentality. Uh, Stick your head in a hole in the ground. And if you can't see the enemy, then maybe the enemy doesn't exist. If you like, by the way, it's a similar idea to Trump's idea that you can just simply ignore reality altogether, that you can ignore truth altogether. And I would respectfully say, no, you can't. A whole weird set of of phenomena.
1: I talk to a lot of writers and a lot of songwriters on the show, and the vast majority of them tell me that in order to really tackle a subject with a proper context, they need a, a bit of distance from it. And I wonder if compounding all of this was the fact that it was a Steve Bannon documentary Released while Trump was still in office. Do you think that the reception would have been different had it come out, you know, if it was like the McNamara movie, if it had come out a number of years later? Well,
0: of course, the answer is yes. Um, I think releasing a movie like this in the middle of the Trump administration, certainly by way of retrospect, clearly a problem, but it seemed to me that something. It had to be done. Someone had to be dealing with this. Someone had to be looking at this. Again, I am not of the ostrich mentality. It Seemed to me that Bannon was someone who needed to be examined and maybe examined in a different way than most people had examined him before. I made a movie about a guy who wants to destroy the world, want to destroy America. And I think it's to America's benefit to pay attention lest we all be destroyed in the process.
1: There was no shortage of Steve Bannon in the news. There were no shortage of books. I think Michael Wolff's book, Fire and Fury, was, uh, was an inspiration for you. So obviously a lot of people were, were covering and writing about this person, but how was your approach different?
0: Different because when I started doing these strange films with one person, I interview one person rather than, I guess, the traditional documentary or one traditional documentary approaches. You just interview five, six, seven, eight people, whatever, you cut them all together. Starting with, well, a series that I did called First Person, One Person Per Show, Fog of War, One Person, uh, Robert McNamara, Unknown Known, One Person, Donald Rumsfeld, uh, American Dharma, One Person, Stephen K. Bannon. But this actually was even different from those films because... I wanted to act, actually enter Bannon's head. I'm not a neurosurgeon, but I wanted to tell a story about his ideas and where they came from. And the movies, his love of movies, his interest in movies seemed to be a way to do that. Uh, when I first heard that 12 O'Clock High was one of his favorite movies ever, I thought, why don't I put Bannon right in the middle of his dream? Why don't I construct the central event, central scene from 12 o'clock high and put Bannon right in the middle of it and interview him there? It's an odd thing to do, admittedly, but something that still really interests me.
1: As scary as uh, the idea of entering his head sounds, obviously you have to be sympathetic or empathetic to him as a character in order for you to take that journey. You know, you do have to attempt to really put yourself in his place and figure out his approach and uh, figure out the way he contextualizes things. Does that ultimately make him a potentially more empathetic character to you as a filmmaker?
0: Possibly, yes. I mean, I have this expression, I've never met a pariah I didn't like. Being empathetic doesn't, to me, mean that I approve of these ideas. In fact, quite the contrary, I find most of these ideas totally abhorrent. But yes, I wanted to talk to him. I wanted him to talk to me about his views about the world. I am making a movie. There will be people that feel that a movie like this should be a hit piece. I should just be going after him for the purposes of attacking him or undermining him. Uh, I see it differently. I see it as a way of exploring him. And exploring is not the same as offering tacit approval for what he's done or what he
1: thinks. I assume spending that much time with a person, not only during the interview process, but also during post-production and editing is inevitably going to change your idea of them. I, I, I imagine that prior to meeting him, you had this very specific idea of who he was based on the news. How did your impression of him evolve over the course of making the film?
0: I think I became more frightened of him if anything, I became more convinced that there was something inherently destructive at the heart of all of this, manipulative, destructive, a kind of power-hungry element. He scared me. There's a general feeling about the Trump administration, him included, even though he may no longer be part of it. He is certainly the spirit of Trump, a kind of bullshit philosophy, if any philosophy at all, an odd collection of racist beliefs, um, xenophobic racist beliefs, and no positive program really at all. Mere destruction for destruction's sake. It's the very end of the movie.
1: Are you saying you weren't able to find any good in him at all after all this time you spent with him?
0: I'm not a social worker.
1: Sure, but when you're having a conversation with somebody, you know, like, oh, he likes baseball, or you know, or, or oh he, he he likes likes animals or is, you know, good to his children.
0: He likes movies. I love movies. I was happy and delighted to talk to him about movies. I'm less enthusiastic about walls. I don't have this this Affection for building walls. In fact, I find the whole wall deal deeply disgusting, repellent. And I feel guilty for saying this. I feel like I've failed in some way as a filmmaker, that I should be more empathetic than I am. Certainly, I was empathetic to Robert McNamara. He came to dinner at our house several times. I told him that I still considered him. war criminal, but a friend, someone who I really like. And in a sense, he's more of a war criminal, certainly, than Steve Bannon. His involvement in the Vietnam War, which I demonstrated against as a student, is something that I can never, ever, ever forget, or maybe forgive him for. But these guys, these guys are a different kind of creature, angry, Crazy, possessed by values that are totally foreign to me. Well, you don't need to contrast and compare. I'm not, you know, Dante trying to provide a hierarchy of evil here. I can tell you that, that Bannon is a disturbing creature. And as time goes on, I suppose, I'm more convinced than ever that he is a snake oil salesman, glomming on to one billionaire after another, uh, using it to stir up trouble. I'll never get the wall. No one will ever be able to explain adequately the wall to me. To me, it's always been and always will be some grotesque, racist stupidity.
1: Sorry. It it must be difficult to reconcile, considering someone you consider a war criminal to also be a friend, you know? Is is that something that when you're having dinner with somebody one-on-one, they are able to just kind of completely compartmentalize that part of their history and personality?
0: Maybe because so much time had gone by. Uh, Robert McNamara left office. Lyndon Johnson was still President of the United States when he was no longer Secretary of Defense. He started the Vietnam War under Kennedy and Johnson, but most of the deaths in Vietnam occurred, not on his watch, but after he left office. I enjoyed talking to him. I found McNamara to be brilliant and a person who actually was tortured by his past, tortured by the things that he had done, things that he had been at least in part responsible for. Now, it's interesting because people have evaluated these movies in terms of whether I like the person that I'm profiling. Did they show remorse? Were they contrite? Did they have the capacity to understand what they had done? It was a criticism at the time of the Rumsfeld movie. Uh, Rumsfeld is not Robert S. McNamara. And people would wrestle with the question, did I make it too soon? Was it too soon after the end of the Iraq war, whereas McNamara had been given decades to think about what he had done in the 60s. Uh, There's a lot of factors, there's not just one factor, very different people. I was fond of saying at the time that I made the the Rumsfeld movie, you make a movie with the secretary of defense you have, not the secretary of defense you want to have. I was interested in finding something out. I was interested in exploring a character. And I'm very proud of the movies. I'm very glad I did them. And I'm very glad I did American Dharma. I think as time goes on, yes, you could say it was made too early. It would have been better. People would have been less angry if it had been done 70 years after the fact.
1: But sorry, it wasn't. It was done, you know, at... 2018 with this movie specifically given the timing did you consider it a a kind of activism yes
0: of course I did.
1: Still do. I mean, that the, the, you know, the, the thing that really strikes me about uh, interviewing somebody like Bannon, and this is, I think, very clear from the way that you approach it and the conversations that you have. He is a very manipulative character. I mean, that's the thing that he does really well. And that's the thing that he did really well with the Trump campaign. You have to be incredibly on edge with a figure like that, I assume. I mean, it seems like, and you can very clearly see the machinations of a man trying to make his own film with you. Oh, yes. Of
0: course. He's a filmmaker. He became a documentary filmmaker because he admired my work. I'm not sure what that means. Does that mean I should go out and kill
1: myself? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, you you know as well as anybody that, that once you put something out in the world, you can't control how people... How people relate to that product, but it, certainly on hearing something like that, on hearing that somebody like Steve Bannon is a fan of your work, did you have a moment where you kind of went back and re-examined like what you could possibly have put into the world that he would have latched onto?
0: Well, the thought occurred to me that I should stop making films and kill myself.
1: Yes, I heard you say that at another interview, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell how sarcastic you were being whether that was a serious thought. Well, you, you
0: can, can tell that it's not that serious because I'm still expand.
1: People consider it all the time. They don't go through with it. How jokey of a response is that? How the hell do I know?
0: I know that I'm in a state of despair about what's going on in the world. I'm horrified. Actually, I can say this literally. I'm sickened by it. I don't think I'm alone in this view as we approach this election now days away. There's this enormous fear. We don't even know what we've gotten ourselves into. We have some idea. My guess is that even if Biden wins, untangling the mess that has been created in the last four years, is not going to be simple.
1: How dramatic of an impact did the reception to that film or has the reception to that film had on the projects that you've been working on subsequently?
0: Hard really to know, but it certainly had an effect on me. I found it extremely depressing. When you asked me this question about did I see it as a form of activism, and I said yes, Um, one thing I did not expect, I can always expect that no one is going to see the movies that I make, but I never expected to be virulently attacked for making the movie. And I didn't expect that distributors would be afraid to distribute the movie. That I did not see coming. Maybe I'm stupid.
1: I very much like the framing of the war documentaries for a number of reasons. Uh, you alluded to this a bit before, but not only is it uh, finding a common ground with somebody who you absolutely don't appear to agree with on on any level, but I think there's value in finding something that you both appreciate for... for for very different reasons. It seems to me that part of the process for you in making the film was really, interp- it was, was really understanding how he interpreted these films, what they meant to his own philosophy, and how they differed from from your own interpretations of them.
0: Absolutely. I think it's really interesting, still interests me, how we could look at the same movie and see two different movies. God knows how many people I've talked about his interpretations of Chimes at Midnight or his interpretation of Bridge on the River Kwai. The whole Dharma idea, a frightening idea in itself, because it seems to be this kind of vessel you can dump everything into and get whatever you want out of it. Everything can be fate, can be Dharma. In the middle of all of this, and I would call it horseshit. I keep thinking of that image, the Clinton accusers before the second debate. And Bannon standing in the side with this cat who swallowed the canary smile, this look of supreme self-satisfaction, almost like he was pleasuring himself because he was destroying everything. Way to go, guy. I don't get it. I, I Actually, th- there's a mystery, and, and it's a mystery that I I share with so many other people. Um, I find Trump so deeply repellent, so disgusting. I will pick up the paper in the morning, and I will see the percentage of people that are actually still his supporters.
1: I don't get it. Perhaps one of the issues that people grappled with upon viewing this initially was that they expected or wanted some kind of either, you know, shodden fraud or at the very least closure. But the heart of the matter here is that you're dealing with somebody who frankly won. I mean, he won. You're talking about him being on the side and, and having this reaction. And up till this point in history, it seems to me that, you know, taken as a whole, for the most part, things have kind of very much gone his way.
0: Yes, Pretty scary, no?
1: So as a filmmaker, you know, from that standpoint, you can't give us any sort of resolution and there's no moral, there's no message that we want or hope for.
0: I think you're making a really, really strong and good point here. The movie was in part activism, but in part it was an act of despair. How did this happen to my country? And it's an ongoing despair. I'll wake up in the morning, I get three papers delivered to me in the morning. If you like, three fake news newspapers the Wall Street Journal, the Boston Globe, and the New York Times. And I open them up, I read them with horror every day. Today was the decision in Wisconsin, written by Kavanaugh, preventing the counting of late votes in the election. Or it could be the dismissal of those dealing with climate change for offering contrary positions to the Trump administration. Could be a lot of things, but it's an age of unreason and untruth. And it's against everything that I've ever believed in in my life and everything that I've worked towards, or anything that, everything that I've hoped for. But I'm not
1: sure what you're supposed to do. If one of your primary motivating factors in making this was figuring out how this happened and how we got there, on a personal level, did you get any closer to figuring that out?
0: I kept thinking that history itself is like the weather. These odd coincidences, these odd collection of events. I wondered if the election was decided by one man's irresistible desire to post pictures of his penis on the internet. Um, The craziness of Hillary's emails, Comey's vacillation about what to do with the emails. Who's to say? History is so nuts. You know, is it the beating of wings of a butterfly? The last four years following Barack Obama seems so crazy. So utterly crazy. And I don't use the word lightly. I mean, what is Trump's platform? What is Bannon's platform? The platform is to destroy everything that Obama tried to do. I don't know what the appropriate course of civic action. I very much wanted to do commercials. I've done a lot of political commercials over the years. I wanted to do them In 2016, I wanted to do them this year. I just wrote an editorial for the Globe, the Boston Globe, that will appear this weekend. It's a little along the lines of American Dharma. I used Dr. Strangelove to interpret a little bit of what's going on in the world. I don't know.
1: Is Dr. Strangelove specifically the character of Dr. Strangelove? Is he um, he an appropriate stand-in? Obviously, he's a Kissinger character.
0: Um, in my in my essay, there's one scene that I like, I've always liked, where they're in the war room and George C. Scott is reading this letter to Peter Sellers, President Muffley, um, about the precious bodily fluids. And Peter Sellers grabs the transcript, looks at it, quickly and says it's obvious this man is a psychotic. And it's the cornerstone of my of my essay. One of the scariest things about Trump, and I find it very, very scary, is that I don't think he has really any understanding of truth and falsity. I make the point that they endlessly talk about how many lies he's committed, whatever The Washington Post has tallied to date, whether it's 20,000, 20,000 plus. It started very, very soon with his claims about his inauguration crowd. How many people were out there listening to his inaugural speech? And of course the argument is he's lying, he's lying, he's lying, liar, liar, pants on fire. To me, there's a much uglier thing going on He's a man actually completely out of touch with reality, that he may in fact believe his inauguration crowd was bigger. That scares me more than anything. A guy of such infinite capacity to believe his own bullshit that reality just recedes, if not vanishes altogether
1: That is a psychotic. I say this as somebody who has never met nor interacted with either of these men in any way, but as an observer, it seems like Bannon is a much smarter character, a smarter person, and a a cannier person. Yes. And he obviously knows, you know, what he's doing and what's going on around him. Um, You don't find that scarier? Somebody who knows the chaos they're creating? No, I don't. But let's be honest here, they're both pretty goddamn scary. I look at somebody like Trump and it really does seem to me that the vast majority of Trump's success, so to speak, or his ability to get to where he is as a president of the United States was very much timing, circumstantial. Um, a lot of different factors in the, the 2016 election. How much of Bannon's success was really a matter of, of luck and timing? And was he somebody that was, was, his type of person, was his character an inevitability in U.S. politics? The question
0: we'll probably try to answer for the next thousand years. I don't really believe in fate. I'm not sure that I believe in historical determinism. I'm not sure that that it was all fated to have happened like Bannon believes. There's a line from W.H. Auden that I've always loved. He talked about two kinds of tragedy. And I'll let you decide what kind of tragedy we're living in. I don't think it's unclear that it's some kind of tragedy. So Auden said there's, there's Christian tragedy or Elizabethan tragedy or Shakespearean tragedy versus classical tragedy. He said in classical tragedy, in, in Elizabethan tragedy, we say what a pity it had to happen when it might have happened otherwise. In classical tragedy, we say what a pity it had to happen, period. What role does chance, fortuity play in history? It's, it's a big, knotty question. Was Bannon the author of this or was he just simply an agent in some kind of historical necessity? You haven't asked me, but if you did it, maybe you have asked me.
1: We can edit me in asking you.
0: Please. Do I think that there's an element of chance, chaos, caprice in history? I do. Do I think Wiener was fated to put pictures of his dick on his cell phone next to Hillary's emails? God, do I have to opine on such an issue? One, it's in, it's in American Dharma. It's to me the most powerful ad that was created by the Trump administration. It's disgusting and effective. Um, They talk about how this pervert Anthony Weiner phone is found with Hillary's emails, almost as if the dick pics and the emails had combined together into this
1: unholy mess. They're on the same device, so, you know, one was going to spill into the other. That's just physics.
0: There you go. But this kind of nightmare, it's still
1: ongoing. That's the problem. It's not over with, America. We discussed a lot about the kind of general reaction of critics to the film. There
0: were were people who did like it. I don't want to give the impression that it was all hopelessly negative. It was not.
1: I watched a screener of it recently, and not that this will have any bearing on anything, but I, I thought it was very enlightening myself. And I assume he has, but... Are, are you aware if Bannon has seen the film? Of course I have. Of course
0: he's seen it. Many times, I believe. What was his reaction? He liked it. He likes me, he likes my filmmaking. He was immensely flattered by the fact that I was willing and actually went ahead and made this film. When he walked onto the set and he saw that it was 12 o'clock high it had the desired effect. He was excited. He had really entered into his own dream. I suppose that can be more damning than anything. I suppose I should report that he hated me and hated my movie, but that was not the case.
1: I do think that he is like Trump to the degree that he probably would have liked any portrait of him. He probably liked that you put forward as much effort as you did and he probably liked that a well-regarded and respected filmmaker took the time to to make a movie about him
0: i'm sure he did i'm sure he thought it's me it has to be great